Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A raindrop drips from a fig tree's leaf. The sun hurries away the last stubborn cloud. Reflected, shimmering in a puddle, I see the moon underwater. I'm Robbie Knox and I'm the landlord of the Moon Underwater, a mystical place where guests create their dream pub. glass clean very very misty out on the moors very misty who's that who's that hello robbie ah it's um stan dan 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 yeah Yeah, you're you're becoming quite the regular here i am i'm going to sit down on my regular stool at the bar okay we can have a chat well well, welcome part of my uh usual please uh yeah yeah the the usual yeah um, what you yeah. usually have when you the come one, in. The one I had yesterday. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that um, usual. Just, just a pint of lager. Lager, lager, that was yeah, it. thanks. Dan, Dan likes lager, wonderful. Yeah. Dan, how are you settling into the correct realm? Have you unpacked all your stuff? Uh, yeah, I've unpacked most of it. Some of it doesn't seem to have arrived yet, but it is coming in sort of dribs and drabs or something. Did you, did you pack yourself or did you use a realm removal service? No, I used the removal service, yeah, it's recommended, yeah. Okay, yeah. wonderful. In fact, I saw you about, I saw you about town yesterday. You were wandering around. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I was just getting my bearings because um, moved to a new neighbourhood. You know, I've got my, got my uh, local pub, which is yep. great, but I need to find out other stuff as well. So wonderful. wonderful. I saw you talking to the the Wherryman. What were you chatting to him about? Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. The Wherryman. Yeah. What were you chatting? You were chatting about his work when you thought I overheard. Yeah, I was. Um, I was getting him to to, to explain about his worries. It's wherries. Yeah, that's a strange thing to say to a man who operates a ferry. Did I say wherry? I meant yeah, ferry. Ferry. Okay, yeah, so yeah, sorry, it must yeah. be must be um must be my ears blocked up. Also, yeah. you, you were you were I saw you visiting the um the caddy butcher as well. What were yeah, you, what, I was. you walked out with a package. What were you what were you buying at the caddy butcher? Uh, veggie sausages. Yeah, because I'm vegetarian. So wow. I was strange though, Dan, because I always think that a caddy butcher only deals in horse meat so well yes in some realms yeah it's just horse meat here they do horse meat and vegetarian and vegan options okay and then you went on to the element didn't you <laughs> yeah yeah the element what were you getting from the element how long were you following me just for? quite just 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 saw, i just saw you out the window i was i was um yeah. putting up the new um decorations for the fate yeah the element well obviously he's um his shop is a uh, thing where you can buy lamp elephants. Oil. Lamp, oh, what? Lamp oil at Eleanor sells, doesn't he? Yes, but 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 in the shape of elephants, oh, yeah. like the the, very, the, the the things that they very come confu- in. Very confusing. Oh, yeah. There's someone else. There's someone else at the door yeah. over there. Who's that? Who's that? Oh, 
Welcome, it's, it's Glenn Moore, Glenn. Hello, good Welcome evening, thanks for having me. Moon Underwater, Welcome to the Correct Realm, how are you? Oh, it's lovely to be in the realm. What, what was the weather like out there? Uh, it was, I'd, well, um, it, it, some it, it, inclement. <laughs> inclement? <laughs> One of my favourite weathers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really, really big, big fan of it. Um, I should say, first of all, Glenn, you have probably my favourite titles for your comedy shows. Oh, thanks. In fact, your, your current one is my favourite. In the past, I'm correct in saying you've had Glen Gary, Glen Glen. Yep, that was the first one. Glen Glen Glen, how do you like it? How do you like it? Mm-hmm. Love Don't Live Here, Glenny Moore. Yes. But now, what is undoubtedly my favourite, Will You Still Need Me? Will You Still Feed Me? Glen, I'm 60 more. Yeah, it, I, a title that takes ages to say. I saw it when I was walking past the Soho Theatre. I saw it up in the window and audibly guffawed oh great does does it take a uh, do you you take a long time to think up these are you always yeah i mean if you're doing like a show a year you have one year to come up with each title and as soon as i've come up with one title i'm like i'll I'll start writing that show in a second but first i should probably start trying to think of next year's as well just have that constantly in the back of my mind does it make a difference do you think the name of a show when you're when when there's a lot of competition at festivals for example i don't think it necessarily makes someone buy tickets to your show unless they're uh, sometimes they're influenced by uh incorrectly assuming they know what the show is going to be about so the second show i ever did was was hadn't didn't have my name in it it was called the very best of belinda carlisle and at no at no point was she mentioned in the show but the amount of disappointed belinda carlisle fans who turned up fully expecting it to be about belinda carlisle i thought it was obvious just from the poster and that but it was not going to be about it was not going to be about her, and they really decided it was going to be about her. And did did they bring it up during the show or afterwards? No, or? just afterwards, because I'd always say hi to the audiences, well, bye to the audience as they left, and a few of them would be sort of like, where, where is she? <laughs> Have you got? Are there any other <laughs> titles of shows from other comedians that you've admired over the years or enjoyed? Yeah, there have been some excellent ones. I mean, like also, it, it, what's nice is sometimes when comedians suggest titles for future shows for me oh good so adam k suggested for me for next year um when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie that's glamore um, <laughs> Very good. and anya magliano suggested please sir glenn i have some more which i am gonna buy off her because i need i need that to be the next title oh fabulous dan have you got any any favorite shows you've had over yeah years? i'm a big Stuart lee fan so i'm i really like uh live at leicester square with Stuart lee that's a good <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not really got. Not really got the idea no? of this. I don't think. But as, if, as, if that's what you like. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Right. On on to pubs, Glenn, because that's yes. what, what we are here for. What were your first formative experiences of pubs? Uh, first proper pub I went to like regularly was the Ship of Falls in Croydon, okay. um, and that at the time I'm not sure if it is a Spoons. I think I. I mean, I, I last went there when I was about eighteen, and. Um, I would have maybe like two pints over the course of an evening and that wouldn't necessarily get me drunk but it made me think I was drunk because I'd never experienced that sensation before I mean it wasn't until I sort of went to uni a few months later but I was like oh that's what being drunk is like when you sort of wake up on the kitchen table or whatever and be like oh oh, that okay that was that's what last night was um and so then over like the course of uni that was a mixture of some pubs, but also a lot of like bars and nightclubs, which were very sort of different sort of aesthetic. Um, but I definitely always had in my head like a very, very key type of t- type of pub that I sort of gravitated towards. So there was a place in Sheffield called The Clothes Shop, um, which anytime I go back to Sheffield, I'll still go to. And it's my favourite kind of pub in that. It's just on just a normal residential street. I really like just a tucked in pub that it's not it's not the centerpiece of the road or anything like that it's just you'd walk by it and you'd just completely miss it it is literally just a pub it is a public house in its truest sense of a word and those sort of you know a real sort of cozy yorkshire pub with a pub quiz was exactly that was so sort of up my street and so since then any pub i'm on the lookout for is is that kind of thing is that sheffield you're at uni yes oh my god it's so good it's yeah. so, so good. Um, and um, what's bad is that loads of them tended to close down. Yeah. And it was a very sort of like fickle city and that there was this huge turnover of shops and restaurants and pubs and stuff like that. But what it meant was you got to experience dozens of different kinds of like pub aesthetics and stuff like that. Yeah, my brother lives there now and I've been a, I've been a few times on, on nights so out. I had a, so good. a glorious, mm. a glorious time indeed. Uh, Dan, before we get on to your drink choices sure. for this, Dan, I notice you've um, you're sporting a bell. Where did you get that from? Yes, I've got a bell. Yes, 
Well, also when I was when I was uh, out walking, probably a bit where you weren't following me. Yeah, I was uh, I was down by the estuary. Okay, which is lovely. Nice stroll. Have you been down the there? Underwater, isn't it? Yeah, it's really yeah. beautiful. And um, the tide was out. Okay, and on the uh, sort of gravelly, stony bank was an old tugboat. So old, actually on the bank? On an old rotting tugboat. Right, yeah, or okay. just below the bank, you know, where, where, the, where the tide's just gone. The out. silt. The silt, yes. Yeah. Um, so I boarded. Right. And I found, I found this old ancient bell. So you looted a boat? I, I, I looted the tugboat, yes. Okay. And, uh, and I brought it in. Yeah. And um, well, it's, got a, it's got a use. Do you want me to talk uh, yeah, about I mean, it? Yeah, it's weird that you brought a bell, but go on. Well, what might happen... Mm-hmm. today or any time we're talking to someone in the pub is that when they make a choice that choice may materialize somewhere within the moon underwater and if that happens i will ring the bell okay and then we can perhaps taste the drink if they want to all the guests Wonderful. can take it away with them okay so you're it's assisting the moon underwater really as it as it presents the drink to us you yes. will Acknowledge that with a bell to praise it. Yes. Do you want, uh, shall we listen to what the bell sounds? Yeah. Like? So to be clear, the drink has not arrived, but you're testing the bell. Yes. Okay. Yes. Please ring your the bell. The bell is is a yes. Here we go. Ready? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Solid bell. It's it a good bell, solid. actually. Yeah. It's a, it's a good tugboat bell. It is a good tugboat bell. Yeah. And now, One. if they're ever in peril, we'll never know. No. <laughs> yeah. That is you. Are, that is. Like, Do you still need any lifeboats while you're there, or any <laughs> other? Any other? <laughs> Any other health and safety violations? Yeah. Right, well, thanks for that strange bell, Dan. Claire, <laughs> uh, let's get on to designing your pub. First, yeah. of, first of all, what, what, what is a good pub in your eyes? What makes a good pub? Uh, a good pub has a haphazard design because that usually points towards it being kind of old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. I really like a pub that's on several, not floors, but just kind of different levels or half floors where you or balconies and stuff like that mezzanines so, mezzanines yeah all i'm looking out for is just tons of mezzanines <laughs> so like uh your cheshire cheese uh in uh hoban sort of area mm. that is that that's like the epitome because it's hundreds of years old and obviously they just had batshit design choices back then yeah. because they, they just i guess clutched at whatever timber they had available but that's great because it's any sort of pub where you have to text your friends when you arrive which bit which bit are you in yeah that that's really that that that's definitely sort of up my street i used to have this really weird recurring dream uh <laughs> where, why am i telling you this for about <laughs> for about 4 years uh where i just kept dreaming about the same pub uh and it was it, this pub was on like the the street where i'd grown up on which i no longer sort of lived at but it was at the end of that road and it was called the pub was called Paradise, and um, we, and I live near a pub that's called Paradise, which again is that aesthetic where it's all rickety, and you have to go up this set of stairs, then down that set of stairs to get to the middle floor, that sort of thing. And so it was kind of a bit like that. And um, I, I'd say yeah, like over the course of about four years, once every like four or five months, which sounds infrequent, but uh, once you accumulate those. That's a lot of times to have the same dream. But anytime I was having a conversation with someone like in the dream or whatever, it was almost always in that pub. Wow. And I don't know, but I've never been to a pub that looked like it. But it, 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 but it had that sort of mezzanines and balconies and stuff like that that, um, that I'm like really into. So this pub didn't exist on your old road? Didn't exist, but, no. But in your dream, it was in on your In my dream, I knew exactly which, which bit of the road it was at and stuff like that. The only bad design choice it had in a dream was that it had sand on the floor. As in, it was like it was like going into a beach. It was dis- that was disgusting. It sounds a bit because obviously when people yeah. spill drinks and stuff like that, it yeah. was so wet and sludgy by the end. <laughs> but that was grotesque. That was the only thing that spoiled it in the dream. Very difficult to clean up. At the really end of the difficult night. to yeah, clean yeah. up. Yeah, but I, or, unless someone vomits, in which case the way you deal with vomit has already been dealt with. That's that's perfect. Yeah. You just need to kick a bit. You just kick a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's like like, a like an ashamed train. dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, but for some, I. I don't know if I'd already decided in my head that's the kind of pub I like or if through having that dream over the course of several years that's made me like that kind of pub. It sounds like like your destiny that you're going to build that pub. At the it was end a moon underwater sort of situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's exactly yeah. what it was, yeah. So, but I, I, but I, I, it, the only way I can make it like fully like the dream is if it's fully beached. Yeah. <laughs> fully beached <laughs> floors. And a tide. The, the opening and closing times will be based entirely on the tide even though it was in a residential street in Croydon. <laughs> it feels like a cross between... That is called Paradise, 
and mm. it's got sand. It feels more like a beach cocktail bar that they've put in a... Yeah, in my pub. head, looking back, I'm like, was everyone wearing, like, hula skirts? And so, but no, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't like that. You, you know, you'd sort of go, you'd go down, like, three steps, and then you'd be in a sort of, like, large sort of circular bit where you'd have all these tables, and then you'd, you'd go up another floor, and then there'd be this balcony that overlooked. And, it was, and then you'd have these little alcoves and stuff like that. You'd Sa- have an alcove sand on all levels? Sand only on the floor, okay. but obviously with the inevitability of people treading their shoes yeah. around, the sand would then... It's yeah. quite, in terms of structural integrity, it's a well-realized dream. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had a recurring dream. I don't think I... it's quite annoying. Like after a while, like four years in, I'd almost in the dream be thinking, "Oh, fucking here! I need to find new places to go out." Yeah. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I didn't. I, I'd never want to go to a pub so frequently that they'd, the barman would be able to say the usual, Glenn. I would never want that. And I, I was starting to reach that stage in paradise. I started to worry that the, the bar staff were finding my presence a bit tragic. <laughs> and will your, will your Moon Underwater pub have sand on the floor or a different flooring? I've got to stay true to myself. It would have sand on the floor. Because also, <laughs> yeah. you'd, you'd talk about it, wouldn't you? Any pub that's got a, even just a tiny little thing that's just ever so slightly different. Like the amount of, through doing stand-up, the amount of tiny sort of village pubs you sort of gig at when, when you're sort of first starting really really sort of small nights where there's you know there's like 20 acts on the bill and stuff like that and you just you'd, you'd have pubs that just served odd stuff or just get a big bowl of complimentary yorkshire puddings and they'd whack them out on the and they'd have a dipping bowl of gravy and they'd provide no plates you just you you the pudding is the plate and you just sort of dip your yorkshire pudding in and then just walk around the pub with your and that was that was just a nice thing to do and i, I lived uh, when i lived in one of the places i lived in sheffield there was a pub that just um you should just have a big vat of meatballs that they just serve <laughs> And it only costs like a quid and you put some Henderson's relish on it and and just go away with your bowl of meat. That, that sort of thing stays with you. Yeah. And I think sand on the floor, yeah. <laughs> though not as delicious as the other things, you'd, you'd think about it. Yeah. You go, oh, you'd God, never I, forget it. Yeah, you go, I think I'd just... You'd go back to the one with the sand on the floor. Yeah, the sand on the floor and your mates would go, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would be the approach regarding footwear because if i'm walking around on a beach mm. with sh- trainers and socks on i would inevitably get sand in my shoes and it would be a bit annoying do you go barefoot in this pub or do you are you wearing i was thinking shoes? about this you either go kind of full we go full mosque and you <laughs> it, it's all off at the door and it's all sort of lined up and you know where you're or you have a cloakroom in which you sort of deposit your shoes um but i think you know, sometimes it's exciting when you wake up after a really heavy night out and you sort of think, where did I go? And you're trying to piece together the night. Your shoes will help you piece together the night because you put them back on and you'll feel the sand and you go, I went to paradise. Yeah. I was in paradise last night with the fellas. Yeah. And, and yeah. regulars could have a sort of a, you could have a little shoe box and they could have their flip flops in. So when they walk in yes. at any time of the day or night, they can just... Well, what, what, why don't we have a trade-in service like in a bowling alley and they spray yes. some flip-flops and <laughs> yeah. they say what size are you and you go it doesn't really matter does it with yeah. flip-flops but yeah. i think that that could, that could, that could work. <laughs> wonderful okay we got you we got your flooring choice yes yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and that's the crucial bit that's the crucial bit look yeah. weatherspoons are known for having their you know uniquely designed carpets in every single in every single weatherspoons this would be known for its uniquely designed floor as well it is an important factor Let's move on to drinks then. Yes. And you get two choices on draft. Yes. What is your first one going to be? Uh, first choice is just my just favourite drink of all time, and that's Schneiderweiser. Absolutely just my favourite, hands down. I don't know what it is. It's uh, uh, So I, for some reason, got really, really into like wheat beer okay. a few years ago. Schneiderweiser. Uh, yeah. And it's I started to um, really sort of gravitate towards, again, fitting that sort of cosy aesthetic. I'm a big fan of anything that feels like a monk would have drunk it hundreds of years ago and that is as a result really fully up and Schneiderweiss is like the epitome of it the only problem with it is and I don't drink it very much now is um it is it's delicious which means you can have like eight pints of it and then you go oh my god I've just had eight pints and, and then it really really hits you like a train 5.4 percent it says in my mind nice um so not not the not the weakest either so eight of them it's going to hit you hard. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was a very sedentary lockdown. Uh, <laughs> should I say? But yeah, and it, it, like, there's, there's, uh, it, you'll very, very occasionally find it in the in the fridge at a pub. But like, it's very, very, it's very rare. I usually sort of order it online. 
Um, and I, I and it was through just going like on I think during lockdown just online sort of beer delivery sites and stuff and specifically going for like wheat beer and usually being a bit too enticed by the label and Schneiderweiss has just got nothing exciting on the label it just says Schneiderweiss or hasn't got like a I'm too easily taken in by drawing same with bottles of wine I've, I don't even like that 19 crimes wine but I'm like oh that looks cool yeah. doesn't it yeah 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 doesn't that look cool I like a nice line drawing on my yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's it, I'm too easily drawn in by that. It's pathetic. Mm. And do you get do you see it much on draft in the UK? Do you do you get it around or I have seen it on draft once and it's at a place in Hoban and I think it's still on draft there. Fabulous. But that's only because they have about 50 things on draft. Then play just... on, play yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely wonderful. Okay, and what's your second draft choice? Second one is Lucky Saint, uh, and I'm saying this now as someone who didn't have it very frequently in fact i don't think i've ever had a pint of lucky saint but it's a non-alcoholic beer and last year i decided uh, just as a challenge to myself to just give up booze for a whole year um and it was kind of frustrating that there weren't that many options with regards to non-alcoholic beer and i find that actually with with non-alcoholic beer it's not so much like the flavor that i'm sort of looking for i'm very much sort of quantity over quality and i found it very frustrating when all your friends have a pint and you're the only one not drinking you have this miniature little bottle in comparison yeah. it just looks a bit pathetic mm. and sad and it and also it really draws attention to the fact that you're not drinking it invites so many annoying questions um and so it was it was kind of frustrating that 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 nowhere you went would ever be non alcoholic beer on tap and the mo literally the moment that this year began and I started taking up booze again I noticed in every pub suddenly they've started doing Lucky Saint on draft and I'm just so happy for the sake of other people who don't drink that it's finally an option like, I've still never had a pint of it but I'm like that is I'm, I'm so glad that people can just now have an anonymous glass that looks like you have a pint of beer because what I was having to do was buy like two bottles of Heineken Zero pour it into a pint glass mm. um, and it was just it was kind of really irritating so I do it for, so I think I, I, my, my hat goes off to Lucky Safe for doing that and then also annoying as a as they are as a company Brewdog their dry January policy which is if you buy a pint of non-alcoholic beer it's free refills like you're in Starbucks it's great oh wow it's, yeah for dry January they do that and I was oh, like wow. that, vo those are the two nicest things they can do for non-drinkers you see I like to if I'm going out for a fairly sizable session in Norwich mm. where I live, I will often chuck in Adnams have ghost ship and they have a 0.5% yes, ghost they ship. Do. Yeah. And I'll just chuck that in every fourth pub or something just to sort of help help you along the way. Yeah, and throw others off the scent of that sort of peer pressure and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, I used to do that if uh, if anyone ever bought me like shots or anything like that. I would turn my head to a size in profile and I would just chuck the chuck the shot next to my head <laughs> yeah. drenching the person behind me and I'd be like yeah no I, t I took it the, 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 the tactic is to do it on your round so you're still ordering normal drinks the other one oh, but like that. Yeah. and then when it's your round I go I'll have a 0.5% that pour it at the bar come back with a pint of what looks it looks like exactly the same yeah, yeah yeah that's how I get you how did you find not drinking for a year it was the most boring year of my life. Now, I, 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 and I, I, I'm saying this as I, I, I hope this is not irresponsible of me to say. And I'm saying, if anyone, I, I firm, like, honestly, I encourage anyone to give up booze if, if they're sort of able to. It, it was a good thing to do, uh, and I'm glad in retrospect that I did it. But it's the first time in my life I spent an entire year waiting for that year to be over. Right. <laughs> Why it was just because, I, and I think it's a, it, it's partly an issue of. I imagine it would be difficult to be entirely booze-free if, like, you were a bartender, for instance. Through doing stand-up, you're in alcoholic environments all the time. You're in your... There's, wherever you're performing at, if it isn't a pub, it has a bar. And so you're just presented with that. Or the green room will be stopped. Or the promoter might sort of go, can I get a drink when you, for when you come off stage? And it, it that, that is around you all the time. And so it wasn't just a year... The nights in were fine. But any time I was sort of out working, it was like, you wouldn't hear someone in an office job saying it's the nine to five. That's where they get you. But like, yeah, yeah. but it was it was just that I was having to constantly turn it down. I'd have to I'd be I'd be turning I'd be reminded of it several times an evening and turning it down every evening. And also, it's just I'm at the age where loads of friends of mine, loads of friends of my girlfriend are getting married. So I went to four weddings last year. And um, oh, that's hard. But it's yeah. difficult because but it gets to about five p.m. and you can no longer have a conversation with anyone apart yeah. from maybe the kids. Yeah, I, I remember one time I was, I was not drinking for a bit. And I went to a nightclub in central London for a friend's birthday. Oh, man. And it was horrendous. Yeah. Everyone's just smashed. 
and, and, and you can't hear people talk. No, you can't. I just wait to go, how long do I have to stand here before I can just leave? That was yeah. all I was thinking yeah. throughout the time. Yeah, and I'd, I'd reach a stage at the weddings where they'd run out of like non-alcoholic beer. Because it'd be like, yeah, we only stopped like four bottles. Yeah. And so you sort of go, I can't, I can't have my 11th Diet Coke or cup of no. tea of the day. Yeah. They, they do non-alcoholic spirits now, don't they? Have you, have you ever tried one yeah, of those? Yeah, do you know what? That, that, those are the most convincing. With regards to like matching the flavour, I think um, Brewdog are the best at it. And Lucky Saint's obviously really good at, at, at feeling like the actual original drink. Um, but aside from that, spirits have at, like fully nailed it. I think because usually you're mixing it with like soda or like lemon mm. so like there's a nut there's an extra flavor sort of going into the mix i found the worst thing to try to replicate was wine you right. just couldn't non-alcoholic red wine non-alcoholic yeah. white wine it's just schler it's really like gloopy syrupy it's like it's got the consistency of hand gel <laughs> i find one of the best things about not drinking though mm. is the money it saves you so when people go oh we brought this non-alcoholic spirit it's like four pound of shots i'm just gonna drink water thank you yeah 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 exactly i don't i don't remember saving much money no as a result because i i'd buy non-alcoholic beer which kind of is the same yeah and but that comes in smaller so i'd have to buy double the amount to fill a plate glass and because you're getting drinks you then get involved in the rounds anyway yeah because it's not like you're just going i'm not drinking don't worry exactly so you could yeah i think that yeah but all all that i felt fine if i was holding a pint this may, as, I'm not trying to sound like a raging alcoholic but as, as in it was just I think psychologically there was a subconscious element of just well holding a pint glass with a liquid that looks like beer is honestly enough for me yeah. but that, that pint glass did also kind of need to be full yeah well it's yeah that's sort of the two thirds full pint glass you poured from a bottle is never satisfying it's just all. not yeah it just doesn't it's just work not. for some reason mm. what made you decide to go a year without drinking uh, someone I worked with at Absolute Radio, she did it. It was one of the former uh, producers uh, called Claire Solon, and she was she she did it. And just within a few weeks, she was like, "This is this is amazing." And then a few months in, she was like, "Yeah, I might go the rest of my life." Didn't and she she just felt so much better, and she was just so much happier. And um, I just felt really pleased for her. And then I then did not take her advice for like two years. And then last year was like, "Do you know what? Let let's just do it and see see how long I can go." And um, it was, I, I think within about two weeks, I was like, I've, I've made a grave error. <laughs> <laughs> had you made the mistake of telling everyone you were going to do it I'd for made, a year? Exactly. Yeah. I'd, already, I'd like loudly announced it. And also, if I do commit to something, then I will definitely do it. I stopped drinking during the 10-second Year's Eve countdown. Like, during the hoop nanny. <laughs> was just, like, the, just down it, the glass. And then, that was, and then it was like, okay, right, that's it. No more. The clock had ticked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the first sip was obviously like on the stroke of midnight. Yeah, the next exactly year. a year later. It just absolutely wasted within about five seconds. <laughs> it was like two oh, did it really feel like it, got oh, it was unbelievable. Head. Yeah, it was so <laughs> embarrassing. I woke up the next day with a raging hangover and I had half a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember the time I last time I didn't drink for four months. On my birthday's in April, and I thought, "Sorry, I'm not going to drink to my birthday." Uh, thank you very much. Um, I and I went out with you. We went to the Shortlands Tavern in yep. South London, Tavern. and I went. I had four pints. Oh yeah, and I was so drunk. Oh, I was living God. in a village in Kent. I missed my stop. I had to walk across <laughs> fields to get home <laughs> after four pints. I was, and it wasn't a particularly strong drink. I was I smashed. Do remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took you a very long time to get home. Yeah, through the middle of the Kent, <laughs> Kent countryside. So actually, giving up booze was one of the most dangerous things you've ever yeah. done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing about you've got to in commit a, to drinking. You can't yeah. it out. Alcohol would have saved your life. No, so, sort of. Didn't yeah, because you would never have ended up in yes. that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maintained your consistency, yeah. 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 Oh, well, there you go. Well, two fabulous choices there, mm. catering to people who want a strong beer and people who don't want to drink. Yeah. So, uh, Go big or go home. That's the slogan below yeah. the paradise board. Or you could mix them together for a sort of mid-range shandy. <laughs> a ice beer, like I say, shandy. Yeah. Yeah, fabulous. Okay, wonderful. You, you're you on Dave very breakfast show. Yes. On Absolute Radio. Mm-hmm. Um do you ever go for post-show pub trips? Um, we have done in the past, but it, it, uh, as in because we're going to like an, an event or something like that. What's quite nice about um, radio events is they're very, if it's like a, 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 if it's some annual sort of party or something like that from the radio academy or some large sort of governing body, they're usually quite accommodating to the fact that loads of people are on breakfast shows. So like 
these events are at like 11 a.m., which is really handy because you don't have to go home in between. What happens though is when you're in like a a dark hall or something like in like some big uh, like a space below like a hotel and there's loads of free drinks and stuff like that and you feel great and then the event wraps up at like one in the afternoon. <laughs> when you leave and you're confronted with... It's like walking outside in GTA for the first time. You these cars whizzing past and you feel like you've been poisoned because everyone's walking normally and you're not. Yeah. But it's 1am and you're in a suit and you're sweating buckets. And it feels like a bit in Casino Royale where he's got to use the defibrillator on himself. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing sends me into a greater panic than when I emerge from a dark space outside and it's bright. It's really bright and you're drunk. It's just such a high, it's a horrible feeling. So we haven't done it. We haven't done it since. And you feel like, do they know? Do they know exactly. I'm drunk? Exactly. That's, yeah, yes. that's, yeah. That's, uh, the, the only time I've ever felt really, truly wasted after one of those events was when I knew I was like, it's fine being a drunk person on the tube. But obviously it's not if you're like the drunk person on the tube. And I found I was once on a a, a packed tube, absolutely, I sat down on an absolutely packed tube, but the seats either side of me were empty. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no. Because oh, no. you literally, you were emanating. I was just emanating alcohol and I had a McDonald's and I just must have just looked like I was in urgent need of medical assistance. And were you aware at the time that people were not seeing it, or was it just in hindsight you look back and went, ah? Oh. In hindsight, I was like, I remember that bit vivid. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think it did anything sort of too embarrassing, but I think it was, I was just sort of, my head must have been lolling a bit. And this was at like one in the afternoon. So I think there was immediate, you know, concern. I, I, we've got a friend um, who's a journalist and he would he was worked on a radio thing that would, it wasn't a breakfast show, but it was an overnight thing. And he would, he, he would finish in at like 6 a.m. or something. But yeah. they were quite, where they were working was near... Smithfield's Market in London and there was a pub that would be open at this time to cater for all the butchers and stuff who finished their Oh yeah, well, like overnight there. builders usually and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, he, yeah. He, 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 he'd go along the pub and it'd be him and his workmates at like seven in the morning and loads of butchers covered in blood just drinking <laughs> blood. So it's a really weird, really weird vision at that time of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. On to bottles now. Yes. And what, what are your two bottles? The first of your two bottles. First of two bottles, this is a bottle of wine. Uh, and uh, it's a very popular bottle of wine. Some might say generic. Uh, it's the Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc. Mm. Um, oh, wow. Hang, is that a tugboat approaching? It's, no, it's my, it's my oh, special bell. Sorry, forgot you brought yeah, that. It, it did you spin a tugboat? Yeah, I've actually got a bottle of... Uh, Okay, Sauvignon Blanc. What a joy! Would 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 you, would you fancy some now? Don't, you don't you, have to. You can I'll have a sip. Why you not? You can take this home. Okay. Well, you, you carry on chatting to us about this drink. And I'll... Yeah, you explain what it is while Dan prepares it. I think I'm. I, I really like it because it, I, I I became aware of it in its very very early days, uh, which would have been like 2010 2011, when at uni I worked at a restaurant on weekends, and it was a real sort of like 
silver thank you so much it was a real sort of fancy silver service restaurant and i was a really crap waiter and they'd only hired me i had no restaurant experience and they said they only hired me because they said oh you sound really posh and i was like well i'm uh, my accent's quite anomaly i'm not from a posh background but i was like i will take the obviously i'll take the job and i really needed it um and it was a really fancy so like the chairman of uh shepherd united and shepherd wednesday respectively would always eat there that was like their go-to restaurant nick clegg uh when he was deputy prime minister that was like his go-to restaurant as well um and it was really fancy and one of the fancy wines they stocked was oyster Bay sauvignon blanc and at the time it was really expensive it was super expensive but it was like a really popular wine among people and so occasionally you'd have people who would come in order loads of bottles of wine for their table and then they would leave and obviously we couldn't put the wines back so uh, once the restaurant was closed you'd just yeah. have it and at the age of like 21 this was like the most delicious thing I'd ever tasted but it was obviously so outside of my price range so I had to rely on rich people <laughs> having had too much drink going home and I'd get really pissed off if I'd see them sort of finish their bottle and I'd be like no oh, I was gonna have that on. I was going to have that with the remnants of your Chateaubriand. Yeah. <laughs> like an animal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, there, and so it has been such a treat over the last few years to suddenly see it drop down into this like seven pound price range yeah. and become just really affordable. And it's so great. And does and it still taste as it did then? Yeah, it absolutely does. It's like, it's, I, just think, I just think it's really nice. Do you, as someone who got into it early on, mm. are you like someone who found a band when they were cool playing small venues and you're a bit like oh it's all mainstream now I, I used to drink this back in the day yeah I feel really smug about it but it's not considered it's not considered cool anyway do you know what I mean it's yeah. like not it's not a really exciting sort of new drink and I get I, 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 I don't get gatekeeper-y about those sort of things but I do get like really bit, bit like there's certain things that I think the only things that I discovered at uni early and before other people was Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Because I say most people didn't rediscover really it until about season six. And I was on it from, I think, middle of season one. And I was, I felt because this this girl I lived with, her boyfriend was like a real, like, aficionado on sort of American TV. And so that, I remember being a real dick when I was 19, being sort of like, oh, you like that show that I've been a fan of for years? Okay, fair enough. Yeah. It's cool if you Danny enough. DeVito wasn't always in it. Um, uh, so, that, so, yeah, this is one of the only things that I've ever really felt. Well, let's, let's have a taste. It's yeah, really nice. It smells very... Melony, maybe melon. We're getting melon. I like to guess. I like to guess what a wine is, and then I read the bottle and see if I've got it correct. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Fourteen pounds. Um, I, <laughs> I have uh, no understanding of what wine is good and bad and stuff like that. I've no, and and through working at that restaurant, you'd occasionally get people who ordered like a four hundred pound bottle of champagne, and they'd have like one glass, and then they'd go home. And so you'd, when everyone left the restaurant, you'd be swigging from this bottle of champagne. It's just no difference. I cannot tell the difference. It's, I just don't have a refined... It's, I used to be a runner at a TV studio years ago, mm. and it was something I could never get my head around, was the way that people would leave, like have one glass from a bottle of wine and then leave it. I mean, it was great for me, because I did exactly the same as you did. Yeah. I, I sometimes put the cork in and take three quarters of a bottle back home. Mm. I could never... I was like, I can't believe that you just leave that much... Wine you know, yeah. Are you not so painfully aware? Yeah. But I, I think I've got quite. I don't have weak taste buds, is the word. But I can. Um, this, I, this is going to sound more uh, deranged than the recurring dream about a sandy pub for four years. Um, so I can, uh, I can turn my taste buds off just to, uh, like at will. Um, and so can my sister, and uh, so can my dad. Uh, so uh, my mum can't. So presumably it's like we just inherited from him. But it's literally just a decision. If we don't want to taste something, we just decide not to. We thought everyone could do it. Are there, level, are there levels? Is it a spectrum? Can you taste? No, no, no. It's either on or off. There's no okay. like. There's no like dulling down. There's no like dialing a tone. It's like you just. It's just a kind of psychological decision to just go. Yeah, I'm just not going to taste. It feel, it's like a taste version of blinking or shutting your eyes. You just go, yeah, I'm just not going to wow. taste this. Um, but I think as a result, I, I think we've only got it because I think we must just have really weak taste buds. I can't I can't tell the difference between different kinds of wine and stuff like that. Um, but it, I mean, what it means is I'm a very polite eater around other people's houses. Um, and uh, also it was really handy at this cocktail bar in Sheffield uh, where a friend of mine was uh, was on the bar staff there. 
and um, we used to try and sort of wangle free drinks from him and stuff like that. And eventually his his colleagues caught on and were like, you've got to stop doing that. And so uh, the, the other bar staff there were like, okay, we'll make you guys free drinks on the basis that we will make you the worst drinks we possibly can. But they will be free. <laughs> and we'll use the leftover stuff that we cannot get rid of, like egg liqueur and stuff like that. And they would make me these like dreadful cocktails. Oh, and I think it was God. a case of if you could drink this drink, then we'll get a free round. And so they used to make me these awful, awful concoctions. And I used to be able to just down them and I'd be absolutely fine. Just turn and it we'd off. get a free drink. But um, what it meant was I'd had a full pint of like Sambuca and Tabasco. And, was, oh. and so obviously my friends would enjoy a free round and I'd just be lying on the floor in drunken agony. You can't turn off the drunk bit as Except well. That was the it's worst just, bit, exactly. The so taste. I would need to be like carried home. Yeah. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was fine. My first job in London was at a TV studio... <laughs> Uh, in Southwest London called Capital Studios, and I was a runner, and I, I was earning ten thousand pounds a year, uh, living in Zone Two in London, which wasn't didn't give you a lot of discretionary mm. income. And they had a show in, and I can't remember, it was for some food channel or something like that, and it was about it was called something like uh, it was basically about bartenders trying to make the best cocktail. Yeah, and the, without me knowing, the guys who worked on the crew knew I didn't earn particularly much money. They, every time they'd made these cocktails, because obviously once they made them on the show, no one was drinking all these cocktails. Mm. Anyone that didn't have like cream or something that was going to go off in them, they'd get one of those enormous water butts for like water coolers. They oh, just yeah. took the top of that and they just poured it all in that. <laughs> and at the end of the series, they just gave me a water <laughs> butt full of every cocktail, every non-cream based cocktail mm. from the show. And I took it to Clapham Common with some friends and just drank it over the course of a day. And it was brilliant. Did it take all of them together? That tasted yeah, nice. because most of them just have loads of fruit juice in, so it just tasted like a big, yeah, a a massive punch. fruity punch. I yeah. think it's nice when they do stuff like that. I, I, I the, my last day at this posh restaurant, they just gave me some tinfoil wrapped leftovers, but like an absolute ton. And but it was because it was this fancy restaurant. It was like it was basically I was going to Alton Towers the next day with my friends, and because a friend of mine, he, he his family lived so close to Alton Towers, he'd get like free tickets to you know, sort of apologise for the noise disruption and stuff. So we had free tickets. We otherwise couldn't afford anything, couldn't afford, barely afford our travel, couldn't afford any food when we were there. So I brought this tinfoil wrapped thing with me and it was full of like, just like quail's eggs. and <laughs> So I was eating that having just been on Nemesis. And it's like, it makes me feel really sick. The classic Alton Towers picnic, yeah. Yeah, everyone was at like the pizza buffet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Are you having pizza? I'll- we got some quiet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying this. I've had it before. Most of the way, I think I have. Not mm. obviously not back in the day. I'm not as I wasn't as on it as you were, sort of thing. But I have bought it in a in <laughs> a supermarket. I feel like we something. used to have this at Cap- Capital, maybe. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. At Capital Studios. Oh, so Dan, Dan's so. trying to claim he's Dan's trying to claim he was also into it. Yeah, I don't know how old it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've been into it for years, yeah. decades. I'd, yeah. I'd, at the time, in 2010, it felt new. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Mm. Great, that's a, a fabulous first choice. What's your second choice of bottle? Uh, second choice is uh, Francis Caner. Uh, that is a drink that mostly comes in bottles. Again, it follows the sort of, it is very much a wheat beer like Schneiderweiser. Um, that is one that's more readily available in most supermarkets. And it fully ticks every box of me being led in too easily by aesthetics of drinks. With, because I said previously that I, I like a wheat beer that looks mm. like monks would have yes drunk here um i am so into any drink that has a rolling field on the label an abbey <laughs> an abbot a monk a priest anyone from the clergy uh drinking from like a big foaming tanker and francis Kana is this bald monk cheerfully drinking yeah. from it's a, a bit like jeremy corbyn yeah yeah it is great it's, it's he's looking at it and he looks He's got his tankard, he's holding it up and he's looking into it and it's like he's in awe, he's going, yeah, yeah it's I've great. smashed it. It's so, and it's so Bavarian. It's It's got that font that uh, you can only describe as problematically German. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've noticed it before yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but any, any drink like that, there's like Weinstefana, Erdinger, anything like that. Those are like my favourites, but Francis Kainer is just like the one that's like really readily available and it, it only comes in bottles. So I was like, well, that would have to be it. But also, again, it's because of the monks on the front. If you have that yeah. with a camembert, you really feel like you're in a, a yeah. <laughs> an abbey in Switzerland. I really, I really like the fact that you like monks on beers. I yeah. don't know why. Yeah. I don't like. There's no. I've never. 
I've never seen but it's an or odd... read the name of the rose or anything yeah. like that. It's an odd thing, though. If I see something, a beer that's made by monks, I mean, I know it's a Trappist monks in Belgium, and I'm reassured it's going to be good. There is definitely yeah, that. Because they know how to it's get like, well, they know absolutely what to do. They know what they're fucking doing. trashed. Yeah, they're not, they're not doing anything else. Yeah. They're just focused on making the beer good. Yeah. It's a bit strange that monks just made beer, wasn't it? Like, it doesn't feel very religious does it it doesn't but then i don't think you can point to anything in like a religious text that would go we can't do that no so i don't know i think i guess it's the only way to i mean in terms of uh, you know uh, uh, illicit acts religious people get up to i think that's one of the better ones yeah absolutely yeah it doesn't happen the other way around though does it monks become beer makers we don't get beer makers becoming monks I think if, 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 if there's something about as well, like an old abbey that feels like a great place to drink yeah. out with like old trestle tables and stuff like that. Yeah. There's certain places which aren't, you wouldn't find a pub or a bar at that I feel would, would, would really suit it. I feel like my ideal drinking location would be, I feel like, um, would be like a, in my head, what like a, a celeb rehab clinic is like, where it's all sort of like, it's like the floors are like this. Do you know what I mean? It's all like wooden floors and everyone's walking around in robes and, and sandals and it's all just very sort of peaceful but also you're allowed to drink yeah. <laughs> would any rehab clinic that offered that I would be, I, I would I would save up for years in order to spend one day there and w- would you like to one day go to rope. some kind of monastery and kind of just hang out with monks while drinking their beer yeah I think I really I think if are you offering <laughs> I think I really would I think I really would like that, and I don't know why. I don't think we'd have much to talk about, but I mean, let the Francis your, Kane do the talking. This is your pub, isn't it? I mean, there could be monks in the in the in the pub. If you yeah, want do you know what? Actually, be... if that's and if last orders are called by ringing an enormous <laughs> church bell, yeah, yeah, then um, yeah, I'm definitely yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really sort of in, into that. Yeah, it's strange that that's the only business venture monks have ever had. Like no monks do anything else, do they? They only do, they do their monking and they yeah. They used to write and preserve books and stuff like that. True, yeah. But that, the two that, those are two very different yeah. worlds. Yeah, it wasn't like they do. Yeah, they used to make scale electric as well. It was like <laughs> it's only beer. It's really specific. <laughs> It'd be great if it was beer and scale electric. Beer, scale electric, and religious yeah. texts. Yeah. Uh, absolutely fabulous. Two two wonderful uh, bottle choices there mm. from you, Glenn. Right, Dan. Robin used to do a uh, pub quiz at the Moon Underwater, the previous yes, regular. Yep. Uh, have you got a pub quiz? I have. Did not did not expect that. Yep. Did not expect that. I'm, I'm amazing. Well, I have. in that case, I will hand over to you for the Moon Underwater pub quiz. Okay, phones away. Put a gag on Siri. It's quiz time. Elvis's black belt was in karate. I saw it on QI. No half points for saying J.K. Rowling is the lead singer of Jamiroquai. Moira Stewart. No, I'm afraid it was Gordon Honeycomb. Glenn? Yes. You mentioned Yorkshire pub quizzes right at the top. You're, yes. you're a pub quiz fan, are you? A big pub quiz fan, and uh, what used to be my local pub, the Queensbury in Wollstone Green, has uh, now sadly shut down. They used to do a great pub quiz. But me and my friends stopped going because once one of the chasers from the quiz show, the chase, oh. competed and won. Like That's absolutely destroyed us. It was it was un it was unbelievable. I and complained. You, it, I complained never to, went back. We never went back. Like out of principle, I complained to Paul Sinner, one of the other chasers, about it, and he was like, "I can guess which chaser it was," and he was absolutely correct. Really? Wow. So Paul, Paul would obviously, he'd bar himself from going. He would to, never do nice something guy, like that. He wouldn't so, do us dirty no, like that. No, it's, no. it's like Usain Bolt entering the dad's race at a school. It's exactly yeah. that. You go, what, of course you're going to, what, what, yeah, it was just, why, why was he entertaining that as a possibility? Like, I, I feel this way about, um, you know that like, famous story of Charlie Chaplin once entered a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest and yes. lost and yeah. came third and it's yeah. like a funny story. But like, imagine if he'd won, it would have just been shit. Yeah, yeah. Go, Why'd you do that? Yeah, yeah. You ruined spend it. That's, all the most, time. that's the most insecure thing anyone's ever done. <laughs> yeah, he just kept doing it. I won again. <laughs> yeah, mantelpiece full of trophies. Yeah. Did, yeah. Was it a cash prize that night? It was a combination of like cash prize and some gone-off drinks. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It was like a decent cash prize, but like obviously nowhere near what his day rate would presumably be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. But that's the point, isn't it? He, yeah. He didn't even need it. Didn't need it. Okay, and did you um, did you have a quiz? Uh, did you have a quiz team name? 
when you used to go there? Uh, no, we did. Uh, oh, uh, once we, uh, it was always quite satisfying to have a podcast team. Know, you know, the, the person would sort of refuse to read out. I think the only one we ever did, which uh, obviously is now. Uh, the, the moment has gone um, but the public quiz team name was uh, oh sorry before I read out this next name I've, we've got an announcement we're just hearing some breaking news that the Queen has passed away <laughs> Did they leave that but out? we'd write it with like sorry uh, back great. in a second and then we'd have like we'd write in a stage direction to check their phone amazing that's very good um, Robin used to sort of target questions to, to the guests sometimes mm-hmm. So uh, I met you a couple of times earlier this year. We didn't, we didn't have a chance to have a proper chat, but mm. so I, I have based it on on those on, on brief your, on your things. Yeah, on those brief things. Right. So it's it's a quiz about uh, Glens. Okay. Oh, people, yeah. Quiz about people called Glens. Great. Yeah. Okay. So how Glenn's well, an advantage. How well you know your Glens? Okay. So what we'll do is I'll ask these three questions. Don't answer them straight away. Have a sure. think about it. All right. Because we'll we'll uh, we'll answer in the second part of the podcast so have a think about these question one mm-hmm. in knowing me knowing you the tv show mm-hmm. the name of alan partridge's band leader was glenn what that's question one mm. question two the actor glenn close has been nominated for an oscar eight times but how many has she gone on to win and question three the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, is Glenn Jacobs. But what name did he use in his previous career in a combative branch of showbiz? There you go. Would you like me to repeat oh, any of those questions? I, I don't think it matters. I'm not going to get any of them. You're not going to get think. any of them. Too hard. I think so. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, or just lack of intelligence from me. Yeah. More okay. than anything. Glenn? Really? I think I've got one. Okay. I think I've got one. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. We'll be back for part two in a second, but in the meantime, just a reminder that if you want ad-free extended episodes and a bonus podcast, you can subscribe to the Moon Underwater Patreon at moonunderpod.com. We'll be back shortly. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.